Yes, indeed. That was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great show, and I'm really happy to be back with many of the cast members from that show here, um, which is fun. Right. Yeah. And if you all could mute your um, your phones while you're not talking, that would be great because this is live. <laughs> and, um, okay, perfect. Yeah, I see. Um, earlier this year, um, you and <laughs> and uh, and then you write that uh, in your bio. Were you on the air to talk about um, the slaves who love caviar? Because I had a lot of people get passed on to talk about the play um, last year. Yes, I was on for that conversation. Um, and in that show, I was playing uh, foren- one of the forensic experts uh, that went by oh, Grace. Yeah, you were opposite really Monisha. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, Thank you Monisha, so much. You're with us today, right, Monisha? Monisha, are you with us? Yes. Yes. Hi. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so you're back, and this time you are Kala Palmer. Yeah. And I really yeah. like your character. And um. And you include among your past acting credits uh, the plays of the Mystic Crusaders by uh, uh, Wajahat Ali, mm-hmm. and yes. from uh, Fukushima by Yuri Kariyama. Yeah. Okay, thank you. And um, <laughs> and Life Among the Aryans, The Haunting of Lynn Manuel Miranda. Um, and the slaves who love caviar by Ismaili. So you like a at least techie, like you you've done a lot of his plays. Yeah, and I, I continue to enjoy uh the information he puts out through his playwriting. So yes, I'm super excited for this one. Oh, cool. And we have Kenya Wilson. You portray Melody Wells. Welcome, Kenya. Thank you. Yeah, and you include among your past credits Liz Russell in The Union in Bartersville, directed by Marjorie Moon at Black Trump Theater, and you were the you were the winner of the 2019 Adolfo Award, or that play was winner of the 2019 Adolfo Award for Best Revival of a Play. Which one is it? Yes. Well, okay. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And then and then you portray Jennifer Blue, I remember that character, and the Richard Pryor's shadow dancer in Ishmael the play who loved caviar, uh, directed by Carla Blank, who also directed this play. You were phenomenal. All of you all were. Thank you. And I really, I thought, because you played some other characters, too, because you were the understudy for some other roles, and was like, this is a senior show, right? <laughs> but yeah, you were really, really good. And thank um, you. And also, yeah, you're welcome. And you can be seen next in Picking Up the Pieces as Lucy, written by Jeanette Hill at Black Section Theater, directed by Fulton C. Hodges. When is that? That uh, opens October 20th, so next week, and runs through November 5th. Okay. Is that does that have a virtual component, um, or is that in, it doesn't? It's it's in person at the theater. It's in it's in uh, Queens, uh, Queens, New York, uh, at the Black Spectrum Theater. 
So if anyone is out and makes a trip out to New York, come see the show. <laughs> right, right. And Imran, uh, can I ask Yes, I'm on. Hi. Yeah, how do you say your last name? Uh, Imran Javed. Javed, yeah. And you portray Jassi Amar. And, uh, wow, that character needs to do a lot of... Um, when I when I finish when I when I haven't finished the whole play, but he he he's really stuck in 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 his space. Like he really believes the okie doke, as they say. Um, so I'm really really looking forward to uh, <laughs> you talking about uh, Sashi Palmer. Uh, you are an actor, playwright, director, and attorney. Uh, you appear as the father in several productions of the Domestic Crusaders by uh, Wajahat. Is that how you pronounce it, Ali? Yep, Mujahat um, Ali. Okay, including at the New York and Poets Cafe in 2009 and Muslim Fest 2010 in... Not sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you want to say Mississippi, right, but you know it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's only one Mississippi, I think. We only need one Mississippi. <laughs> uh, so anyway, you performed uh, in this particular theater. Uh, this particular um, festival at the Kennedy Center's, um, no, and then at the Kennedy Center's Millennium Hall in Washington, D.C., uh, in 2010, you performed uh, this piece. And as a part of the 2019 performance project at New York City's uh, Gerald W. Lynch Theater at John Jay College in 2011. You wrote and directed the One Act Play Glass performed at New York in, in 2010 and featured at the 2010 Downtown Urban Theater. Dean O'Neill's Beyond the Horizon performed at theater for the New City in 2011. So, um, have I introduced everybody? I think I have. Yeah, I feel like I've probably done the least amount of theater work uh, of all my cast members, but have the longest bio. So. I wish I could go back and edit that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for going through it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's okay. Um, uh, I just want to let, remind our audience that last week we spoke to the man of the hour and the day and the moment, Ishmael Reed, which is, was really awesome. And we also spoke to Carla uh, Blank, who is the director, and, uh, and we spoke to Emil uh, uh, Guillermo, who actually lives here, as well as Ishmael and Carla in the San Francisco Bay Area. And so I think all of you all are, you all are calling for that. So I really appreciate, you know, you all fitting us into your schedule because it's like midday, <laughs> you know, where you are. It's like 12 o'clock in the afternoon, and we just started here in the day. So I know you had to move some things around. Take your schedule um, around you in particular because you have to get in 15 minutes or 13 minutes. So, um, uh, why don't we why don't we let you start? Why don't you tell us what the conductor is about? And tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. your character. <laughs> All right. Um well others feel free to chime in, but um so the the play is really I guess it's on the facts around the removal of um three members of the Board of Education in San Francisco by this movement that was sort of objected to, you know, wokeness and what you know they consider sort of liberal culture and and sort of a moving away from like I think what they would view as a you know kind of 
democracy, you know, whatever that means in their own minds. Um, and, uh, you know, Ishmael being Ishmael has sort of created this uh, dystopian future, uh, sort of that sort of based on that, uh, where suddenly there, because of world events, things happening in India, Indian Americans are become the target uh, and are sort of forced to flee. And ironically, my character uh, ends up taking refuge with uh, the so-called conductor, a character um, named Warren, who uh, is a columnist for a newspaper and was kind of an enemy uh, in this whole school board uh, controversy of my character. Um, but, you know, as, as it turns out, I, I, I end up going to him to seek refuge with him uh, uh, as I try to find a way out of the country uh, now that sort of all of my fellow citizens have turned against me. And in a way, I mean, I guess the way I see the play, it's sort of about, um, you know, there's, there's the way things are, and then there's the way that we talk about how the way things are. <laughs> And I think in my with my character, it's sort of a, a situation where, um, you know, he he's really ideological. He has this view of like what does it mean to have a meritocracy. Um, you know, I think he, he sort of, you know, did well in school and and kind of feels like you know if only we can just kind of focus on education, whatever that means to him. Um, and what that means to him is kind of a Eurocentric, you know, Western education. That that's that's leveling the field, um, but I think what he doesn't realize is that um, you know instead of leveling leveling the field, he's sort of um, actually sort of turning a blind eye to the systemic ills of our society and and then really closing the door of opportunity to certain segments in our society. But you know he you know I think <laughs> I don't know I'm sort of going on and on, but just I'll just end with you know I think a lot of times we're um, we're like all on a ship, right? And uh, we're all like have our own little compass and we're all kind of fighting to get to the steering wheel of the ship because um, we think our compass is right and we know where to go. And I think the role of artists and, and playwrights like Ishmael is sort of to say, oh, hold on a second. Um, you know, I think there's a problem with your compass. <laughs> um, and I think that's what, what we're sort of, um, that's sort of the journey of my character. And I think sort of what the play's about. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for your um, your your synopsis. And we're gonna I want synopsis from a variety of perspectives. And so why don't we um, why don't we have Monisha, who um, is your character's sister, who has a whole other um, you know take on the situation. Um, so uh, Monisha, talk about Saba. <laughs> yeah, and, so... and her relationship with her brother Sashi, and and also like. <laughs> You know, add add to this 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 synopsis. Like, what is the play about from her perspective? What is who is the conductor? What does it mean to be on a in the underground railroad in 2022? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah. So Kala is yeah, wait, she's yeah sister, um, and they really don't get along. Uh, Kala is very very um, politically minded socially, politically minded, and doesn't, doesn't agree with Shashi's, you know, points of view, especially in this situation. Um, she, you know, she, like the family um, comes from a background of low caste, and that really 
a something that's very in the foreground of her mind. She teaches. Um, she teaches. Uh, what's it? Uh, she teaches at a university and she teaches um, feminism and women's studies. Um, and so there's, so all that is very um, in the forefront, whereas Shashi, that's not important to him. Um, and so, yeah, so in a, it, this character is super interesting because, you know, she really brings up the issues that low caste people uh, face in India. So she brings the, that information out, uh, as well as the uh, caste system that is brought, back, brought here into this country by Indians who immigrate here, so, and how that plays out. Um, so she's very, uh, she has all her facts down. Uh, she really, um, she, you know, really uh, illuminates, you know, the situation. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, and she's very, very uh, feisty, very feisty, and has a fire. Yeah. And she has a relationship with Warren, so that, that also is something I've spoken about, you know, how Indians, how Shashi might view that. As yeah, yeah, and, and Warren, too. Uh, tell us a little bit about about your character's voice. Hello. Yeah, I, I don't Did know that Brian Warren? is on the on the phone. Is he or uh, on the call? No, 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 no. He's not. No, I wanted Monisha. No, Brian is not on the phone. Um, no, he's okay. not. Um, he's not joining us. I want I want Monisha to tell us about. Her character's voice, um, because I think oh, that's kind my, of key okay, to the story. Okay, my relationship mm-hmm. with Warren. Okay. Um, yeah, Kala's relationship well, with Warren. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, Kala's relationship. Not my relationship. Yeah, Kala's relationship with Warren is. I mean, she's. It's, it's a. It's a. Uh, a relationship of of solidarity, but I think there are things. There are aspects of him that she definitely gets. Um, frustrated by. Um, but she also knows that, you know, the, the South Asian community uh, probably wouldn't accept her relationship with Warren. So she delves into that as well. Um, again, yeah, she she's really um, has a backbone and has lots of opinions. And so it's a very, um, ama- yeah, an amazing character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, uh, I was just thinking about how your character is uh, is a dark complexion South Asian, and and she's using that to her advantage because uh, similar to the period when people of African descent were being uh, chased and persecuted, uh, those people of African descent that were so in this play, Ishma, we kind of plays with those those particular. Um, motifs and movements and themes in the work, which I think makes it so interesting um, and, and so provocative. <clears throat> so now we want to talk to uh, the journalist uh, characters uh, and the actors who portray them. So Kenya Wilson, thank you so much uh, for your patience. Tell us about Melody Wells. 
Well, um, thank you. Uh, Melody Wells is a journalist uh, for the San Francisco Bayview, um, loosely based on you. Uh, so I, I will tell you a secret. If you, I, I, I went and um, perused your your page a little bit and 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 Twitter, not to give a and and some YouTube interviews I had seen of you, and I didn't not to get an exact do an exact replica of you because it is a character, but just to catch an essence of who you were. But for for Melody specifically, play. She's a, she's a journalist and someone who is um, a, a active within her community who is committed to uh, the truth. And oftentimes, it, and, and Shmuel Reed alludes to it a lot in, in, this, in this play, that a lot of the news that we consume, that people consume, not just us, but as a whole, that we choose to consume, uh, we choose because it confirms our our biases. So, the, you know, um, so at the beginning, the reporter at the beginning, basically, you know, people who watch things like that, they're, they're, they're not really getting news. They just want to have their – they want the news skewed to whatever confirms their, their racial biases or whatever the case may be. So Melody is a, the complete opposite of that, and she wants to – uh, she she actually wants to have the truth. She wants to report on the truth. She's she's kind of old school in that way, um, even though she's a, a younger woman. Um, so in this place, she's originally she comes across Warren because she goes to interview him about the recall of the three school board members um, and and get his take on how he feels about it because the the, the even though she doesn't know. Uh, who's hiding in his apartment, uh, she, she does know that this person is responsible for, for Warren being fired, and she wants to get a take on how he feels about the recall of the school board members and not only that, the hypocrisy of the people who are responsible for the recall and for getting him fired uh, because they're now in their own scandals. And so um, that's what she originally comes for. And she actually meets uh, she meets Warren and his girlfriend, and and she ends up having a conversation um, about uh, not necessarily colorism, but 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 uh, what she thinks may be uh, taking using black womanhood as a as a privilege here in the states when when black women don't have that same privilege themselves, uh, and that's pretty much. Uh, Melody, she's a straight shooter, and uh, when she asks the question, she doesn't she doesn't nice it up in any way. She wants the direct. She asks asks the question direct, and she's going to record it as it's given. And Warren is a perfect person for that because, as we all know, he speaks the truth. He speaks his truth, whether it's popular or not. I would say that the play is about um, ooh, it's about a couple of things, but you know, on its face, it's about the for me the how ironic it is that uh, as as black people, you know, there there was of course we all are aware of the Underground Railroad, but how it's ironic that that other that the the tools and tactics and means that we've used to survive even within the civil rights era that it has been 
taken on by other groups who needed it for 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 whatever purposes you know and, and their freedoms that they've that they need and some and that we do not reap the benefits of that and sometimes we don't get the credit for that work and um and that there's still a fight to be had um it's also about the, the desire to keep miseducating the public about our american history um and how willing we are to continue on being blind to the same education that I don't know I've gotten I'm I'm 50 now so the same education that I've gotten 30 years ago this country doesn't want to change from that and we all know that you know the truth will out and this is really about the fighting um the fight against a true history of our country Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and Laura, tell us about Hedda Buttermilk Duckbill. Yes, another Um, uh, journalist from a different perspective. (laughs) Yeah, it's so wonderful hearing Kenya describe her uh, perspective on Melody Wells uh, because you know uh, Hedda is essentially the antithesis of of all of that. Um, but I think Kenya put it really well that so often we're, you know, people consume uh, media and news that sort of fits their bias. And Hedda is coming out of the sort of, you know, Roger Ailes created like blonde bombshell conservative uh, sort of vitriolic. Uh, she wants to stir the pot um, She's much more interested in entertainment than journalistic integrity, as is evidenced by the way that she presents herself and also her sort of like inflammatory and antagonistic comments. Um, She's not afraid of using an offensive slur to, again, incite, uh, I think, a certain, you know, emotional response. Um, And the her her motive or her sort of modus operandi is, is more about um again the entertainment value rather than any sort of journalistic integrity um so she's a very fun sort of counterpart to melody who is somebody who is a, a truth seeker um and it you know i don't interact with any of the other characters i just am a talking head that sort of appears for some uh, some sat- occasional satire. <laughs> but I think it's a fun, it's a really fun mode for um, delivering some of the necessary backstory and a great critique of the sort of like Breitbart news era of reporting um, that adds a little levity to the show. <laughs> uh, well, Imran, I think uh, you have to leave in a second. Minute. I wondered if before you take off, if you want to share a favorite scene or scene. I don't think you have time to do anything or say anything, but I mean, you know, perform anything, but you can at least tell us, you know, some of the same favorite scenes for your character. Well, I guess um, uh, when I think about the scenes my character's in, um, uh, the. the there's a, there's a tragedy of my character, and I think that comes through in some of the scenes. Like, I think one of the things that Ishmael is exploring in the play is, like, what makes a movement? Like, who who are the people, constituencies that um, constitute a movement? And, like, there are the people who 
fund it and give a lot of money, and those are kind of the vested interests to, um, you know, are just trying to promote their their business interests and you know, things that are in their own self-interest. Um, and then they're the true believers. And I think my character falls into the category of a true believer, someone who um, really believes in, you know, there should be a meritocracy and that, that what could be more American than trying to build a, a true meritocracy? But then he runs up against sort of hard facts like, oh, this system that I, I'm trying to uphold has turned against me. Um, and why is that? Like, how is it that me, the one who's trying to uphold this great Western civilization, is now on the run? and Western civilization has turned against me. And it's an opportunity. I mean, I, I'd be curious to know sort of what uh, the sequel of this play would be for the, my character. Um, like, does he actually learn um, that he's sort of trying to uphold a system that uh, that that sort of was built more to uh, promote the efforts of the, the backers of the financial backers of the movement than, than, than sort of help the true believers like, like him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, cool. Well, thank you. Um, so now, yeah, thank perhaps, you. For this. Uh, yeah. Oh no, I just th- thanks for this opportunity. Um, and I guess I'll drop off now. Thanks. Oh, have a good day, and thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you, um, you know, uh, on stage uh, at the reading this week. It'll be really wonderful. Yeah. You too. Thanks. Looking forward to it. Bye bye. Bye. Um, so now I'd like for the rest of you all to talk about, you know, sort of this, you know, this sort of the the feminine thread and the different ways that you know um, gender moves through through this particular script and uh, and as a theme, and perhaps you know talk about some of your favorite themes. And your preparation for whoever wants to go first, I can start. I feel like you know my character Hedda is uh, very much performing gender. Um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier Roger Ailes, who is you know sort of responsible for crafting this very specific aesthetic and look amongst uh, female news anchors that I view personally as part and parcel of like making news about entertainment, you know, highly made up, quaffed in a particular way, typically blonde um, and fitting a sort of certain um, aesthetic (laughs) that is, you know, uh, deemed as, as feminine, uh, but it's again highly, highly performative. Um, whereas, I mean, and I, I don't want to speak to you know Kenya or Monisha's interpretations, but you know uh, Kala, for example, that character, she's um, extremely aware of uh, of gender roles and gender performance, and I think is very intentionally trying to. Uh, eschew them and also point out the sort of power dynamic that so much of her, her text is about pointing out the power dynamic as it exists in India, comparing it to here. Whereas, you know, I think Hedda again is totally, she's not really uh, interested (laughs) in trying to dismantle um, 
dismantle the system or uh, call into question what aesthetics around gender really really mean or where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in, the, uh, in the press note, it says that the conductor shows that blacks and whites are not the only racial groups contributing hands and, and, the, and the people that are in and the people that are out and how that, you know, that's not a constant. <laughs> I missed a little bit of what you said, but if I'm understanding correctly, you're asking about Hedda's um, perspective on race and class? Yeah, and, um, and privilege. And uh, you mentioned that, you know, she's kind of oblivious to the plight of those that are not the injured. <laughs> and so I was just wondering, sort of, um, is there an inside to her? Is, is there a landscape there um, to explore? Um, yeah. So sometimes, you know, when you think about bigotry, when you think about racism, when you think about racism, um, there doesn't seem to be much internal exploration or self-reflection. And I'm just wondering, what do you do when you develop this character? Does he have an insight? Yeah, it is something I've thought about. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, there's a level on which um, <laughs> initially when I started interpreting her character, like I find, you know, I'm I'm coming from my own perspective. And it seems to me, of course, I'm like this person is sort of deeply unconscious. Um but as I've sort of sat with it a little bit more and also am in my own way trying to, you know, understand and like a perspective that is totally different from mine, I, I have a question mark about, you know, just a level of sort of like just true ignorance um, of being told and buying into a narrative, you know, that is so commonplace now of, you know, again, coming from these like right-wing outlets of how it's like white people are being replaced and there's no room and affirmative action is what's taking our jobs and that's blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I think that there is just a level of total removal and ignorance. She, I think is maybe has, a little bit more, I think she has a little bit more knowledge than obviously your average person because she's working in media, but I, I think that she's so like ego-driven and self-involved that she's much more interested in causing controversy than she is in trying to like explore any of those ideas, even if she might have an inkling that they could be wrong. <laughs> um, but it's it's definitely something that I've been personally like just trying to to make sense of for the character. Um, and I mean, candidly, you know, it's uh, there. I still have some some questions about it because it is uh, it's hard some, for me to imagine that somebody would be so out of touch, <laughs> if you will. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you. And so when we come back around, you know, think about, you know, a little small theme that you can share, give our audience a flavor for her voice. Um, 
for uh, one of my scenes? Yeah, yeah, something that, you know, let let us hear you say something that you share something that she said. Give us the context and let us hear her voice. Um, we'll come uh, okay, perfect. Thanks, Linda. Yeah, sure, no problem. So, uh, Kenya, maybe one of you I want to go next to share, um, you know, um, I I can go um and, uh, okay yes um I can go uh so this is Kenya playing Melody Wells and um for the um as far as the you know feminist aspect of of her character uh Melody is interesting to me because she started her uh her her life journey in college thinking she was a feminist and and then began to question what role do does she does do she does she and other black women play in the feminist movement? And she at this point isn't so sure that it necessarily is is a an, a complete ideology that was meant for for her and other black women. And um, there's one particular point in the play because she's a journalist and she asks a lot of questions. And, and, you know, because she wants to maybe get specific answers. Or, and she came with a list of questions. But the one time she goes off script and um, and says what she thinks, she uh, is really speaking with Kala, who is uh, – and she addresses Kala to, to, to kind of call her out a little bit because, uh, you know, Kala mentions how – you know the cases, how the caste system works in India, and how here she is. It's a little safer for her in the states because of her dark skin. So, which is very interesting, she can pass for a black woman, and that and it makes her life safer. Which is ironic to me, Melody, who doesn't see how being a black woman in the United States is safe at all. And I find it, and so I kind of, you know, call her out on, you know, it's it's nice for you to be able to come here and hide in blackness, but that's not how it works for 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 me because I've lived my whole life in this skin, and it's not a it's not a you know a lottery prize. Uh, so it, it, this is the one time she kind of shows where she's coming from, as opposed to just asking questions and being objective. So I I, I really like that area of the of the play because it not only does it does she, she becomes more uh you get to learn a little bit more about who melody is other than just being a journalist and, uh, he writes really good female characters. Oh no, he's not in that box. <laughs> but they, they, yeah. Oh yeah, I know people like that. Oh, I, I naturally. Oh, I, I see a little of myself in there, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we think about and you know, it's feminism. A- we think about womanist, you know, uh, what Alice Walker coined, you know, the black feminist, the womanist. Uh, yes. And that, and that goes to show also another aspect that she's pointing out that you know of, of course our our fight is beneficial beneficial to other people, 
but, you know, other than that, we're pretty much invisible. Um, there's another point in the play where Warren is talking and, and, and uh, to Shashi, and, and he's spitting out these, these troops, and Shashi just falls asleep. You know, I don't want to tell the whole story, but I, I find that humorous, but I find it very telling, you know, that, that, that it, because it's almost like you're talking into the void, um, and at what point, do, you know, um, you, you're you're asking me to conduct you through this railroad, and, and but you, and you're using tools that that we've used throughout history, but you don't think what I have to say is important. And I thought that was um, and it it, it was just a very it's subtle and tell, but telling um, piece of writing. So I think Ishmael for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Monisha. Would you like to share um, on those? Sure. Yeah. So, um, like I said, Kala is a very Kala is a very uh, strong character, um, and a lot of uh, why she why she is who she is is because her background of being a low caste uh, coming from a low caste family, and also, yeah, uh, she is dark skinned. Um, actually, the name Kala that that Ishmael's chosen has, means black. So, um, and so she, her inspirations actually come, come from African-American women writers. Um, and so, and her feminism comes from people like Bell Hooks that have inspired her uh, to think in a different way, to analyze India and, and the, um, the misogyny and the sexism in India through using um, thoughts and writings from black feminists, black feminists. So, so um, Kala is, you know, really also draws that fire and also uh, from, from these writers and, um, and it's, yeah, it's so, so my, one of my favorite scenes is actually the one um, yeah, that she's, Speaking to, uh, well, she's well, she's telling her brother off, and she's giving all the facts of what um, low caste, or we can use the, the word Dalit, because that's what they call themselves. Dalit is face in India. Um, Shashi's asking her to go back to India with him, and um, I know I don't want to give too much away from the play, but she really. Uh, she know she has all her facts gathered, and I think that people really don't have, in general, don't have all the facts gathered about what Dalit space in India. Um, so this is probably my favorite part because it's all listed, um, and uh, and I, I think that even even I mean just personally, family, families of mine in India don't even know, you know, don't even know all the statistics. So uh, I, I think Ishmael Reed for that speech that, that um, Kala gives to Shashi. And, um, and you know, it, it, there's definitely, uh, like you'll see, there's like, in, uh, like you'll see, for example, just outside of the play, I'm talking outside of the play, but right now you'll see the Dalit movement in, in the U.S. Uh, is really aligning themselves with Black Lives Matter 
Um, you'll see that like Cornell West is working with leaders of Dalits in, in the U.S. Uh, to collaborate to talk about the um, similarities. But there's one thing about uh, uh, the situation for low caste people in India is that um, the caste system comes from the religion, and the religion predates Christ. It comes from the Hindu religion. So this is a big, <laughs> you know, if this is a big fight for, for many Indians of low caste because it's how do you fight something that's written in old, old scriptures, old Hindu scriptures. It's really ingrained in the culture. So Kala really brings that all out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, when I, when I think about the term uh, Dalit, and, um, and that's, that's like the N-word, I believe. Um, you, can, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I know it's, it's, it's really it's more than an insult. And, um, and then I think about what people know around the caste system as untouchable. Well, no, that's untouchable because before, you know, this other word, people knew untouchable. And, and then you think about the, the etymology of Dalit, um, meaning oppressed or broken, not whole. And in southern India, and in southern India, India's connection to Africa, particularly East mm-hmm. Africa. And, um, and, and the proven lineage of people of African descent in India, these are black people, <laughs> you know? No, um, right. So I was just wondering, but, like, how far does this casting go? <laughs> you know, does, does you claim any of that? I'm sorry, didn't in, hear in I didn't your, hear your last your, part. I said, mm-hmm. does she claim any of that in your creation of this year? Um, does she create, I'm sorry, it cut off. She, it was very she, sad. Oh, sorry. Oh, I probably need to landline. Does she claim, let me I'll try to come to I'm cutting. You're cutting off. Yeah, let me. Um, let me change it. Can you hear me better now? Absolutely now. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, does she claim um, any of that historic um, uh, history, historic aspect of her person? Like when you create her, does she know who she is? Like really? <laughs> well, she yes, she knows who she is. Oh, she definitely, she's very conscious of, of the caste system, of, of, uh, oppressed, you know, of the oppression. It's just really constant. It's, it's in her family. So, um, and, uh, and yes, and that's, that's what leads her to, to become, to educate herself on, uh, on black history, as well as Dalit history, as well as, you know, Feminism in general. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds almost like, you know, she rides a motorcycle, I think, right? She's almost so, like, she's, yeah. you know, she's like, on a motorcycle. This is gonna, yeah. Mm-hmm. She wants to feel, and, and I like the fact that she, she, she rides her motorcycle, you know, like it, she is free. I mean, in India, like, you women have an issue of, of mobility. Like you can't, there's, it, you know, p- there are parts of India, they're not all, but parts of India that's very, very unsafe for women to, to go around, to walk around, to walk around at night, 
you know, mobility is limited. So, yes, Kala is, Kala is just riding on her motorcycle in California. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people really, I mean, this display is just so phenomenal, particularly with, you know, with the cast and you all are just making it so, like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be so fabulous. So everyone should definitely get their tickets at the website for Theater for the New City, Theater with E-R-O-F-O-R-TheNewCity.net um, for this wonderful um, um, stage reading, uh, which are Thursday, tomorrow, October 13th, Friday, October 14th. Saturday, October 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, and Sunday, October 16th for the matinee, which is 12 noon West, um, West Time, uh, Pacific Time, and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And all the tickets are $18. And if you don't, if you can't figure it out online, you can always call the theater at area code 212-254. One one zero nine, and if you didn't catch any of this, just you know, come to the website, <laughs> uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Wanda's Picks, and it's all written there with links. <laughs> um, so, uh, Laura, coming back to you. Yes. Hi. Yeah. Tell us about one. Hi. Uh, tell us about you know some of your. Your favorite scenes for for Hedda, Buttermilk, Duckbill. What a wonderful, interesting <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah. Um, my my personal favorite scene of hers is is actually the it's the opening scene where um, you know I'm doing a little bit of exposition, sort of framing the show for everyone, but mm-hmm. through the lens again of this super like right-wing conservative news host. Um, and I just think it's a really fun, um, you know, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm sort of like a talking head. It's just me uh, speaking to my, to my audience. And I think it just, I think that little snippet does such a great job of showing that division that so many contemporary news anchors have of like, this is me, quote unquote, reporting the news, and then now here's my sort of personal commentary on it, um, which is again sort of uh, incendiary and um, is intentionally offensive to try and uh, ignite people. So I think that that's my that's the one I'm having the most fun with, and I'm it's fun to get to open the show in that way. I think it's a really fun frame and it does a good job of just bringing us right into into the world that we're going to live in for the next hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, thank you. And so in closing, um, I'm going to let this, uh, let you have a few ideas. Um, one is, you know, who, who should be, you know, uh, in there, in, you know, in the seat, you know, for this work, like who, who is, uh, who is your audience? Um, that's one. And the second thing is other things. You don't have to be in them. That like, oh my God, this is so good. And why? <laughs> um, so could you repeat the second question? I had a little trouble hearing that, but I heard, heard the first one about who should be watching. Um, 
Oh, you you started to say your of your character's favorite scenes. It was the one you said, um, but then I was wondering other scenes in the play that you might not be in, but you're like, oh my goodness, this is so wonderful. This is so good. Uh, this is yes. And why? Well, yeah. <laughs> there's a scene. Oh, I don't know that I can actually share it without giving. I don't want to, you know, no spoilers, if you will. But right. I just. I can, I'll be a little vague. There's uh, several of the characters uh, come together for a sort of uh, interesting reveal, I guess we'll say. I (laughs) I just, I don't, I don't want to say too much um, that maybe that's an incentive to come, to come and see the show. Um, But the, the relationships between the characters I think are really uh, interesting and the sort of the ways in which, um, Many of them are sort of, each of them are offering a different perspective for the other. And I think that's a fun, I, I enjoy that, that dynamic. Um, but as for the audience here, I mean, I really, I, I hope that we can get a, a broad audience. It's uh, because there's so, as per usual with Ishmael, the show is extremely well-researched and offers a just a unique perspective that we don't really hear about um, the black experience, about, uh, as um, Imran was saying earlier, like a criticism of uh, meritocracy, um, of looking at the way that, you know, white power movements have intentionally sort of like pitted different minority groups against one another you know, um, for their own benefit and gain to essentially maintain a sense of power. And I, I think that, man, I hope we get a diverse audience. I hope we get some Breitbart news watchers. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of, you know, <laughs> seeing it from the perspective of comedy could potentially be illuminating. Um, but yeah. And, and I also think, uh, parents um, whose children are in the public school system um, thinking about how we design curriculums and what is the story that we're teaching to our children. Um, I, you know, bringing awareness to that uh, is so important and we don't often question the stories that are being told either to us or to our children. So I, I hope some parents come and, and think about, you know, what the curriculum that they want to see for their, for their children is, because, you know, maybe the curriculum that they grew up with, not maybe, but most likely is sort of inaccurate um, and exclusive. So. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, Laura. Um, Kenya, um, Anisha, same, same question. I, that's a really good question. Who's the audience? uh, Who was it for? I agree with Laura. It is. It really is for everyone. Now, who, but who is really for people who I think would be least likely to watch, but I hope that they would. And those are those. And what I mean by that are people who are who are not as open to having their um, their ideas challenged, um, and and they're just really set in their beliefs because to, that's another aspect of what this play you know is about. Because everyone. Uh, to Warren, to Shashi, um, even with Laura's character, they're speaking their truth, and it's the truth that they know. Um, and 
it, it's um, and and I just think that uh, it would benefit so many people to see this play because you you get to listen to people's uncomfortable truths. Um, and some of it, some of the things that Warren says are really uncomfortable, as well as, as Kala and Shashi. Um, my favorite uh, scene is, is, the begin, is the beginning of the play. Um, I think Laura's opening uh, bit is hilarious. And it's, it's also, like, for me, it's an actor's dream. Just a, a character that's so out there and, and obnoxious. And it's it's a scary role. That's a, that's a scary monologue to do, what she's doing. So all props to you, Laura, because it's, it's very good. Thank and, you. Um, and uh, Ishmael held no punches. And uh, with that, and um, the in the beginning of the scene in the open, and Shashi first arrives at Warren's. I I really just think that's special. It's one of my favorite scenes because even though I'm not in it. Uh, because it, it shows how different they are, and they have a mutual respect um, at the same time for others' struggle, uh, even though they have such opposing views. And in my mind, reading it, and I'm thinking, if I were Warren, I would have slammed the door in his face. You know, that that's, it, and it just leads me to question, well, why? You know, and so I just, it just got me to thinking um, the whole section of the first act of that play. Wow. Yeah, thank you so much, Tanya. And um, mm-hmm. uh, Nisha, do you want to want to take us out? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, um, I, yeah, I, I think that's, I, I agree that the audience, I would love a broad audience. Um, and I agree that, yeah, uh, People, you know, uh, who value meritocracy, I don't know, in school, uh, see this play, but I don't know if that's really possible, like, them. but uh, def- definitely, like, uh, my fellow South Asians, uh, friends, uh, tech friends, um, you know, I invite them, um, but a broad audience at large, um would be great. And um, as far as other um, scenes that I, I enjoy, I mean, I actually I enjoy every character scene and definitely had as, uh, you know, key into the to the play is, is an amazing one. Um, there there's also the media commentator, uh, Gabriel, who's who's also just um, really wonderful to watch as well. So his scenes are amazing. So I invite you to see them as well. Yeah. Yes, a really, really wonderful work and um, really looking forward to to seeing you all, um, you know, in this, this stage reading of the conductor, um, uh, Ishmael Reed's um, most recent work. Um, I don't know if you do world premieres for readings, but no one else has heard it. <laughs> and it's directed by Carla Blank. Uh, it's a play in two acts, The Conductor. It has four virtual live streams readings this week, um, Thursday through Sunday, October 13th through 16th at the theater with the ER for the New City. And you can visit the website, theaterforthenewcity.net, to get tickets 
and to attend. And, wow, thank you all so much um, for joining us to talk about this work and your character and, um, yeah, and the play. Really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having you. us. Thank you so Great. much for having us. Oh, you're quite welcome. Looking forward to the next conversation. <laughs> yes, likewise. Thank you. Because <laughs> yes. I think I think will we be able to talk to you all after after the performances? It was, is that going to happen? Like, can will there be audience interaction afterwards? Oh, that's interesting. I'm not sure about that. Um, yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we haven't discussed it. Okay. Well, if we are, yeah. then I will see you. I will talk to you then, too. I mean, I'm definitely going to come. <laughs> Thank you. All right. You take this care. Thank Bye. you. You as well. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Peace and blessings. Bye-bye. Oh, good morning, Mildred Inez Lewis. How are you? I am well. It is such a pleasure to talk to you and to, and also reach out to all your listeners. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for the wonderful email. I mean, it's not every day that a playwright emails me. It's like, come to my play, review it. You know, I can give you a ticket. <laughs> That's so cool. Like, how does he know me? <laughs> Well, you know, I just think it's so important for us to, um, as black creators, as black critics, as Mm -hmm. black thinkers, whether you're in the academy or you're on the streets or the barbershop, for us to talk to each other and to uplift each other and not just look for the validation from, like, the chronicle, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's really, you know, it's really special, um, and I really appreciate it. you um you're joining us to talk about your your most recent work the museum annex uh which is going to be at um the uh at central work over on Duran yeah. avenue in, in berkeley uh-huh. um, right down the street from yeah, uc from, well right down the street from cal yeah yeah and it's a really nice venue it's, it's intimate it's in a historic landmark building I was like, I've never been in one of these buildings before. Yeah, you're sitting, you know, like, it's like columns and, you know, like, it's like, wow. You know, it's like you're walking in in a museum, but, you know, yeah, I think people once lived there. Um, But, um, yeah, it's one of of those historical buildings that has been untouched but upgraded, so which is fabulous. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it's, it's a delight to be in. There's lots of restaurants, accessible parking, all of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. It's um, 2315 Durant Berkeley City Club is where the Central Works uh, Theater is located. And um, and this particular work, the Museum uh, Annex, is up October 15th through November 13th, so um, almost a month. And it's directed by our wonderful sister, Elizabeth Carter. Um, Indeed. And, um, yeah, yeah. And it features these wonderful actors, um, Brendan Miles, Juanita Harris, Julia Jackson, oh. Brittany Nicole Sims, and Success uh, Ufandu. Um, I love that name, Success. <laughs> yeah. Now, we have a and, wonderful, uh, wonderful cast. And, and I have to mention that we've got some wonderful 
uh, people behind the scenes doing projections, doing lighting design, and a couple mm-hmm. of African-American women doing that, which I'm so, so thrilled about. Yes, yeah, Stephanie Ann Johnson, Dr. Stephanie Ann Johnson yep. is doing the lighting design, and, you know, people don't know her and her work. Like, look her up, folks. Um, yeah, and then you've got um, – You've got stage management by Natalia uh, Rivera Ramos and costume design by Tammy Berlin. And you've got sound design by Gregory Sharpen. And, Uh uh, yeah, and so anybody else? Uh, You've got co-directors. I want you to talk about them. What does that mean? No, no, that's that's, that's it. But uh, the projection, we can't, Mm -hmm. like, leave without saying that the projection design by Alexa Burrell is superb. Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah. So creative, so innovative, also tailored to the space, which is amazing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, well, that's great when you're happy. You know the, you know the writer. You know you're happy. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you know sometimes you know I know with you know when they do when you have a book and it's a book to stage or a book to to film, you don't have as much control. Do you have more control when it's theater because it's written for stage? Or once you write it, like, do you have any say in that? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, when I write for digital spaces, um, you know, for augmented reality or for television or for digital, uh, you really are just a hired hand. And mm. you're fortunate if you get to have to weigh in on how things are realized. One of the reasons I still write plays is, one, we can do things that are still more controversial and experimental it would be mm-hmm. difficult to get financed for film and TV or for and even sometimes for the digital space. And, you know, you really, because you, you own the copyright, you can't be separated from your copyright. They really can't do anything um, without your cooperation, which is, is not burdensome at all, you know, when you have a collaborative group like Central Works. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me uh, let me read your bio, and and then we can just jump right into it because people probably don't know that, even if they don't know your work, the museum annex, which used to be it was called the woman's annex, I think, before you changed the name. Uh huh. Um, yeah, um, they might know uh, George C. Wolf, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, but if they don't, they don't. Well, you know, you're going to definitely, um, you know, give them a reason to go. You know, go find out more about this this um, this wonderful person and his work. Um, so you write and direct the theater, film, and the digital space. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a dramatist guild member you belong to, and I was going to look this up so I can know how to pronounce it, but I don't know how to pronounce it. How do you pronounce oh, it? Oh, Antius. Everybody everybody struggles oh, with that. Antius. Yeah. Antius. Okay. It's like okay, they got these alphabets in here, and I don't know how to do this. Okay, Antius. <laughs> What does that mean, Antius? You know, it is a, a it's a classic theater, so it's it's from one of the Greeks, and I've been okay. so fortunate to uh, do work there that is now archived at Oxford University in the UK, oh. um, and it's a chance to do large scale work with really great actors. I mean, Dakin Matthews, who's starred on Broadway into Kill a Mockingbird, hundreds of you know TV credits. Uh, Armin Shimmerman, who used to play Quark on Star Trek. All these great actors mm-hmm. who were doing, doing both television and stage started Antius to do classic work, not just the classics, but classically inspired in terms of scope. So like the work that mm-hmm. I did uh, with um, Ethiopes, which was a, 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 just a fragment of a piece by Aeschylus, 
I was able to write this really great thing between a great Ethiopian prince and Sophocles mm-hmm. and him coming to ask, oh. you know, to take, yeah. And you don't, you don't always get a chance to do things like that. And another work that I've, I'm developing or developed with them is Timonia, mm-hmm. which is an adaptation of Timon of Athens, where Timon oh. is actually a black hip-hop mogul who's trying to redevelop her city and make it really become the Athens of the South, which was because Athens was multicultural and multidimensional. They learned from the Ethiopians. They, they went to Dakar. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't often as a playwright get a chance to do that scale of work with actors who are super well-trained and can handle mm-hmm. not just a contemporary idiom, but can also sort of rise to the challenge of that stuff without being intimidated. Wow, that sounds yeah. really awesome. Oh, that's really so. Where, where, where are these plays performed in in England or here? Um, well, it, it was archived. The performance was archived. I mean, and, and I'm proud to say that Oxford doesn't take every single play that you know is uh, derived from the classics, but it took ours. Um, mm-hmm. And but it's but the theater Antheus is in Glendale, which is part of Greater Los Angeles oh. County. Oh, it's in California. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can come see your next work. <laughs> Please do. Free ticket, always oh. available. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, it just sounds, wow. You know, it's just theater, it just, just sort of opens your mind, right? Not like blows your mind, but that's good, too. You mm-hmm. like blow through it, get rid of cobwebs. Um, but, yep. you know, it's like, wow, how amazing, like you, like you say, you know, to take these classics. So you're just like, you just do this. Because Joyce Wolf play the Color Museum, um, mm-hmm. you know, which um, your your play is a nod to, is a classic. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. so people might not call it that, but you do. And, and we see, you know, sort of in your treatment, uh, you know, and your work, this new work, how um, you sort of um, amplify and, and, and continue this particular query in a really creative and and in cool way. I mean, I love the dialogue. You really, it's like, I love the words <laughs> that are coming you. out of a character's mouth. It's like, what? <laughs> and, and, then, and then the gestures I hear, and I'm wondering, like, how it's going to look on stage. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, really, yeah, I think really that we've cool. got to start. Oh, no, I was just going to say, is, is, I think we have mm-hmm. to start looking at people like Douglas Turner Ward. We have to start looking yeah. at people like Ntozaki Shange as the great classical masters of our time. And so that instead mm-hmm. of always thinking about adapting Shakespeare, which I have done, you know, starting to think about adapting and extending their work. You know, you think about Clybourne mm-hmm. Park being, you know, an extension of A Raisin in the Sun. And I think it's really important that we write ourselves into that canon and broaden the canon, especially now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why especially now? Well, with the attacks on um, books and book banning, um, okay. with everything that's going on with the continuing defunding of schools. I, I think it's imperative that we, in different spaces, in the digital space, in the gaming space, in the theater space, in the film space, that we bring these histories back to light and we bring these great scholars back to life and keep passing those things down. You know, I, I don't think we can, you know, we can't rely on, you know, Lovecraft to tell us about Red Summer only. We have to look at it, you know, across, you know, across medium so that our history doesn't become lost because understanding that is the key to dealing with a very fraught future. I mean, if we look at what's going on with the climate crisis or global warming, 
if we think about mm-hmm. not just the United States, but authoritarian waves around the world, we need the ancestor's wisdom, in my view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, do you have a website? Because it's not a part of your bio. I don't because I'm just a lazy playwright. I do. My plays are on New Play Exchange. Um, so anybody who's, uh, you know, on New Play Exchange can go see a lot of my work. I am in the process of developing the website. It'll be by Mildred Lewis.com, by com, but it's not quite ready for public viewing yet. Okay, no problem. Well, I'm going to continue reading your bio, which people will see in the program, I'm sure, and they definitely can see it online <laughs> uh, at the <laughs> website. Or um, um, let's see if I'm forgetting the name of the Express Central Works. Central Works. Yeah, centralworks.org <laughs> um, yeah, um, Central is the website, and uh, and they have a Facebook as well, uh, facebook.com forward mm-hmm. slash uh, Central hyphen Works hyphen Theater with the E R. And so um, yeah, you can go to both those places for tickets and information about the various um, performances. So continuing um, with uh, sort of um, the uh, litany of, of your um, of your your work, uh, your upcoming let's see, well you've um, let's see Company of Angels, EST Los Angeles, and Playground LA writing group um, you're a part of, and upcoming productions include besides the one we're talking about, Ghosts of Blackness with Harlem Nine mm-hmm. forward slash Bill Lortel forward slash National Black Theater. Um, yeah, and then ten dollars and a tambourine with uh, Antius, <laughs> which is name? a podcast that's re- it's already been released. It's about Amy Simple McPherson, uh, who is the evangelist who, along with uh, a, a one-eyed Baptist, a one-eyed Black Baptist preacher, really started the Pentecostal movement. And so I catch Ooh. her at a moment where she is. Uh, she was actually the first woman in the United States to own a radio station. Um, and in the, the, the temple that she established, the Angelus Temple, still has a couple of hundred churches around the world and a couple million members. And I was fascinated mm-hmm. because she was Canadian. She comes here. She starts this movement. And, you know, it's from the beginning, it's interracial. From the beginning, it's about really empowering people. And so she, it, it's the one-year anniversary of her radio station and the ghost of – uh, Reverend uh, Jackson comes along with uh, actually somebody who, you know, we don't really think of very often. Um, gosh, his name slipped my mind. But the guy who started uh, Los Angeles' Water, so I can't believe that slipped my mind. Um, and they have a debate about what kind of Los Angeles they want to have. Hmm. They started Los Angeles' so Water? Uh-huh. They started Los Angeles' Water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a three a three part um part three piece uh three hander. And hold on one second. Okay. I can't even believe this. I forgot that quickly. William Mulholland. Sorry, people may remember Mulholland from um, uh, movies like Chinatown, but he was the person who figured out how to get water to L.A. and got the first L.A. aqueduct. So it's a three-part oh. play between the three of them really debating, like, which way Los Angeles should go. Should it be for the people, multiracial, mm-hmm. equitable, or should it be, like, a more of a, a sort of a technical state with only the right people and the best technology? Yeah? 
So it's a really mm-hmm. it's a really fun piece. It's it's had over forty thousand views. It was nominated as part of the series for an Ambie Award last year, which is the uh, podcast awards mm-hmm. for the. Um, yeah, which we, we were up against like Warner Brothers and folks like that. So that I mean, we didn't win, but you know that was mm-hmm. a really nice honor. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. So, so how do we, how do we, listen, watch? Um, yeah, how do we do sure. that? Where is it at? Sure. I think the easiest way is to to just uh, really search zip code plays. Because uh, it's part of the Zip Code Play series where each playwright wrote a podcast, a fiction podcast about a different zip code in Los Angeles. And mine, $10 in a Tambourine, was about Echo Park, mm-hmm. where her church still stands. Oh. Okay, Echo Park. Oh, what part of Los Angeles is Echo Park? Where is that at? It's part of – it's on the east side of Los Angeles, and it was considered really sort of the gateway to the new world on the west side. Um, so sort of like the Statue of Liberty on the west side. I mean, you had successions of immigrants come through. And at one time, a lot of the land was owned by African Americans. Uh, Biddy Mason, oh. uh, this, the per- yeah, oh, Biddy Mason yeah. owned property, right, which is you know just a little bit south of Echo Park, mm-hmm. and it's by oh. this incredible lake, you know, where people, you know, where the common people could go, and that's exactly the sort of thing that Mulholland uh, was frightened about. Really echoes what's happening today in terms of the encampment that's around Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, you know, I totally um, know Biddy Mason's history and, you know, her walking, you know, um, from Mississippi, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to Utah and then to L.A. and, and you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, taking her owner to, to, to court and winning her freedom for herself yep. and for others and, and being, you know, a self-made millionaire and establishing the first church there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just a real doer, you know, real mover yeah. and shaker. And, um, yeah, and then, um, um, you know, there's, a, there's an artist um, whose name is escaping me, sorry, um, who's, she's an elder and she does mm-hmm. all this wonderful work, you know, daughter, um, Allison um, Farr's mother. Ah, Betty, Betty Sarr, yeah. Betty Sarr, yeah. They, they, yeah. Betty Sarr has done stuff uh, around Betty Mason's um, mm-hmm. legacy. Um, like she does, she does like monument stuff. You know, like she was here, mm-hmm. and, and here, here's this thing that I've made. You know, created for her. Yeah. Oh wow, this is so interesting. We are just working through your bio, and we haven't even talked about the play yet. But anyway, we'll get there. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> But I think it's um, essential that we re- that we remind ourselves all the time of how instrumental we've been in building this country, you know, and all these oh, sort of uh, these sort of gaps that get left and contributions that get disappeared. I think theater is a great venue for sort of putting those things back into the conversation. Mhm, mhm, certainly. And I love the idea. Zip code plays. I mean, how how cool is that? <laughs> oh gosh, it was yeah, so fun. Mhm. Yeah, that's like having an area code play because they just just introduced uh-huh. a new area code to the Bay Area. Um, because I guess we were just getting too many people with too many phones, and and now <laughs> I guess phone phones area codes get exhausted after a minute. But when you were talking about um, uh, the uh, the evangelist, uh, ten dollars in the tambourine with um that is based on I thought about Howard Thurman who um who established mm-hmm. a church here in San Francisco. I just thought they were sort of like on the same page philosophically. 
around inclusion, around art, around around their idea of a divinity and the divine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. and they, you know, those forces were really significant in terms of, you know, how you know California was developed. You know, people think mm-hmm. of California as you know um, a little bit maybe sort of groundbreaking and, and, and moving away from tradition, but actually we have our own set of traditions is what the deal mm-hmm. is. You know, um, you know, whether you're looking at something negative like the people's or something that became negative like the people's church or something like simple McPherson's, you know, four square church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Cause you know, California, like the West was its own country, you know, it was unexplored and open mm-hmm. And and that's, you know, why Sojourner Truth, um, you know, suggested, you know, to the sitting president at the time, Lincoln, that um, that people, black people that were, you know, newly freed or liberated, you know, just just to start their own 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 thing, you know, in this open territory where they would be, you know, the stigmas of enslavement wouldn't follow them because those people would stay where they were. <laughs> mm hmm. And, um, yeah, and, and it's, it you know, it's, and it's, oh, no, I was just going to say that I, I did another piece uh, for the Rogue Artist Ensemble here where I, I looked at somebody named Pio Pico, who actually oh, was yeah. an Afro-Californio, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and he lived through, you know, three different national regimes and became an important city council member, lots of streets and, and parks and schools named for him. But that whole dialogue mm-hmm. about the Afro-Californios, you know, and how, you know, that was like a, a play that we did with like puppets and, you know, an Elvis impersonator and so forth. But um, it was also to talk about, like, again, the complexity of the African experience. Yeah. Because, yeah, of course, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, because, I mean, he he had indigenous African and Spanish blood and Mexican blood and sort of teasing that through and what it means. You know, I mean, if if you're looking at anything from the San Francisco police tapes that got released a few years ago or in Los Angeles, the city council hearings that were taped and released a couple of days ago, you know, thinking about those connections and what they can be and how they've affected us, I think, is really key. And again, I think theater is a great way, podcasts are a great way to get into it without preaching to people, which so often fails. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. (laughs) Um, mm-hmm. Another one of your, your pieces is uh, We Dreamed Ourselves, uh, Dragon Egg Productions mm-hmm. in Oakland, California, um, mm-hmm. and yeah. Down Home uh, Valdez Theater Conference in Valdez, um, is it Arkansas? Oh, Alaska. Bacon. Oh, Alaska. Oh, my. Okay, you're moving around. Uh, <laughs> and, and upcoming pages publications um, where people can, I guess, read your work, The Gift and uh, complicit, complicit, um, uh-huh, complicit. and complicit is going to be opening at the moving arts ensemble here in Los Angeles on November 11th. It's, okay. a, it's about, uh, it's about Gislin Maxwell, who was Jeffrey Epstein's lover, business partner, procurer, and so forth. I wanted to do a piece, not about people like Jeffrey Epstein or Harvey Weinstein, but I wanted to do a piece about the women who surround and support folks like this. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how they're yeah. complicit, and how, yeah, and yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's with uh, Broadway Play Publishing, and then you've got Roost First, then Fly, 
in uh, Applause Books in uh, 2020, 10-minute play collection. And then recent publications mm-hmm. are, I don't know how to pronounce that, Ethiopia? Oh. How do you pronounce it? Ethiopia, yeah, that's the piece that uh, was archived and is archived. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've been very, very fortunate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, with Antius. And then we jump broom and acknowledge with Playground LA and uh, and awards in 2021 were LB Williams Award, New Circle Theater, um, 2018 through 2019 play. Oh, wow. This has been a nice excursion. (laughs) Oh, well, I have to tell you about We Jump Room because this is like my favorite play ever. And we're doing it as a short film. It's about two slaves, uh, two Dahomey slaves or enslaved Mm -hmm. women who decide Mm -hmm. to marry under the stars because uh, their owner has threatened to sail. And we were finalists for the Samuel French Off-Broadway Festival, which is a very prestigious festival. We didn't win, uh, but it's going to be made as a film, which I'm super excited about, uh, directed by Adrian Williams. Oh, nice, so, nice. When, when is that going to um, debut? Uh, the film, we were just in pre-production, so that's going to be a minute. But uh, the production okay. was just, just fantastic. I mean, um, to see the women assert their humanity and their agency mm-hmm. in the in the in the face of a slave a slave auction mm-hmm. and decide to fight back with their own traditions and to find each other you know if they are sold from each other uh just reminds yeah. us of how strong our bonds are and mm-hmm. what it took to get us to where we are now in a joyous way that doesn't undercut you know the brutality of slavery mm-hmm. but doesn't allow it to sort of totally submerge who we are as a people yeah, yeah. It sort of, sort of, um, it uh, sort of reflects um, maybe a, something thematic for you as as an artist, as a writer that uh, explores, you know, your your creativity is coming from from our experience as Black people in this 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 country and Black people, you know, in the diaspora. You know, when you say in your play that you know we, we're not going to be re, you know sort of rehearsing trauma trauma. You know, mm-hmm. like, this isn't about that. You know, like, that's not fun. <laughs> um, and I was just thinking, you know, sort of what you say, you know, these, these two women who um, who have love for one another and um, yet they don't control, you know, their movement or their mm-hmm. person. They can still mm-hmm. have a relationship. They can still have a connection. And, and like, how do you do that, you know? I think it's imperative that we stop, you know, just traumatizing people for no purpose. What I, um, I'll go to another play. My full length, a gift, is about uh, a white couple whose Mm -hmm. husband gifts his wife a slave, and it actually destroys them and turns into a horror show. Uh, She begins, she begins to get jealous, and he's, you know, they're in financial trouble, so he starts impregnating slaves, you know, um, you know, hoping for a return in a year or nine months. Um, and, mm-hmm. and it drives them both mad. And I made a really conscious decision not to put the slaves on stage, to mm-hmm. simply deal with this ordinary couple who look like anybody you might be living down the street from in Fremont, you know, flawed, mm-hmm. you know, you know, um, ignorant about something, smart about others. But owning other people, you know, is the destruction. You know, and and you you see the results. You see the bits of hair that she rips out of a slave's head, and so forth. 
but you never have to watch that happen to someone because I think that that I'm not uh, you know uh, criticizing anybody else, but for me, I think we've seen enough of that. I think we in our bones know what that is, mm-hmm. and I want to see something right. that gives us an opportunity to imagine a different kind of present and to create a, a better future. Yeah, yeah, that's um, you know, that's a really great decision because. Uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, you mentioned uh, these, these women um, in, in your play that uh, speaks about love and relationships, um, but they're, um, you know, the homian. Um And, mm-hmm. and I, I, I re- immediately thought about the, the film uh, Warrior King, mm-hmm. and, and I thought about, you know, these, these, uh, these, 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 you know, black women, um, you know, African women who you know, who were the military, you know, for, for mm-hmm. the state, you know, uh, and what is now, you know, you know, known as Benin. And mm-hmm. and I thought, ooh, oh, just so much violence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't think I could do this. I mean, so I think so I'll just read the book because <laughs> it's based on a book. <laughs> and uh, cause I don't think I could sit through that. And, and, and then I have friends and, and colleagues who say, uh, you know, I, I stopped going to, to films about about the trauma of enslavement. I mean, I know that story. I don't need to see another movie about it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's something, it's something about film and theater as opposed to um, in, in a text, because in a text that's mm-hmm. not illustrated. <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah. If you gotta do it, if you, if you gotta ingest it, then that might be an easier way to because you you can like you can put it down, and you can also skip. But mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to skip when people are crying and screaming in the theater. And I'm like, ooh, like, do I open my eyes now? Mm. Mm. <laughs> like, or, or I have to so close right. okay, close your eyes. Yeah, it's like you got to go with somebody. But then you still hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, really, I really appreciate, you know, your, um, your attention to, you know, the emotional um, impact of, of these, these ideas and these, these histories that we still carry in, in our, in ourselves unexplored, mm-hmm. you know, we just inherit this, this stuff, you know, people yeah. of African descent, you know, historic trauma, you know, through the Ma'afa, which continues. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, um, yeah so it's really wonderful when, when, cause I know um, a friend of mine, his name is uh, uh, Billy Dang, a wonderful violinist. And, and we went to a event in San Francisco, and it was uh, other other mines, and the person was mm-hmm. playing was sound, and he said, and we we left because he said, you know, people have to be artists have to be careful because you know you can create something in a person and then leave it there, you know, and then mm-hmm. how do they how do they unpack this? How do they you know get back you know to ground if you stir stuff up just because you know how to do this thing? <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. so he yeah. said, you know, he said, well, this is a gift, you know, um, and he said, you have to be careful that you are creating, you mm-hmm. know, love as opposed to harm. <laughs> um, yeah, because, you know, because, you know, people, people come to these different spaces open and, 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 mm-hmm. pers- and, and um, yeah, open and, and receptive. And they don't know mm-hmm. what they're open and receptive to. <laughs> Unless they know your work. Yeah. Well, even then, I mean, oh, even then, I think you have to, we have to be mindful that some of the things that make these medium, 
media great, you know, the interactivity mm-hmm. of games, uh, the visual sweep of a film. It's very easy to have good intentions in showing brutality, mm-hmm. but still have the very means of the thing, glamorize it and seduce. And those mm-hmm. lines are very difficult to walk. And, and just my experience has been that um, everybody would have to be on board to create that the cinematographer, the production designer, not just the actors and the director. And that mm-hmm. those conversations don't always happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 that's, and that's really the danger of it, I think. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's talk about um, your work and uh, Joy C. Wolf, the Color Museum mm-hmm. and the Museum Phoenix, and sort of um, – you know, I know this was a Central Works Commission, and I was wondering mm-hmm. if you could talk to us about, about the classic work, you know, 1986, and, you know, your work, you know, 2022, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the original play, Imagine 11 Scenes and Exhibits in this metaphorical ex- exhibition, which sort of takes you through. It's sort of like August Wilson, but it's not August Wilson because August Wilson was mm-hmm. later. But it's sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, August Wilson takes us through a hundred years of black history in ten segments, uh-huh. ten plays. And and George Bernard Shaw, I'm sorry, George Bernard Shaw, she was George C. Wolf, um, takes us through, you know, our you know, our historic landscape. Um, mm-hmm. you know, with this the satire and these, these characters. Um and you're laughing, you're like, Oh my God, what am I laughing at? Um mm-hmm. <laughs> I was wondering if you could talk about, about your your work, um and um you know, and, and your vision, and um, yeah, it's just, it's just, I mean, the writing is just so phenomenal. It's like, oh, thank it's you. just so beautiful. The thinking, you know, what these characters are saying to one another as they, as they, as they put together this museum, like what they, what they're going for, and then, and then, and as they interrogate, you know, sort of where they are as black women in this particular period, and and what they have to do to be able to you know, to be able to exist and, and, you know, and then, and, you know, and sort of like, I don't like this. I don't want this, but da, 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 you know, it's like, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then so the whole I, 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 yeah, sorry. One more thing. And, and cause I didn't finish it all, but I read half of it, but the part about how, you know, they hug uh-huh. a lot and, uh-huh. um, and, 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 you know, it's about love, you know, like, we don't have to agree, but we are going to be a, we're going to be a unit. Like we're not going to be, we're going to hold each other. And I think that's really beautiful as a concept. Mm. Well, they, they, uh, they start and they end on love and holding each other. And that was clear to me from the beginning. I mean, that's literally the last word of the play is love. So I, I mean, this was a, a, I mean, Central Works took a, a big gamble. This is an ambitious piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to see all of us on stage, dark, light, Latin, queer, old, young, um, because I, that's something that I felt a real hunger for, you know, and I wanted to make sure that we could get as much nuance and about like how wonderful and wondrous we are in our complexities. And so the framework, so that was really the impetus for it. The framework was to really have a, a satire. And I t- was trying to see if I could do a satire that didn't feel like a put down, that didn't feel like an intellectual game. 
Um, so I take you from like self-definition, like a, you know, and and the real situation, which is the declining standard of our air, as the global warming continues, and you know, and and how we're treated, and how we have to kind of break out of that. So that's the hood area oasis where they come in for 20 minutes of fresh air, um, and then we go from slavery to king, and and it's a celebration of Black women's contributions and the men who love us. Um, mm-hmm. I did not use any traditional conflict in the piece. There's never a time when somebody, you know, um, is trying to get something from someone. And if they get it, the other person can't have it. And if the other person has what they want, they can't have it. There's none of that kind of traditional conflict in the piece. It's really about negotiating a space for us to acknowledge who we are and to to learn to fight to love each other. Because I do think it's a fight. I think people underestimate how much negative... Mm-hmm press people, black people get. I mean, I just think yeah. of those LA City Council uh, recordings and how many people hear that every day, experience it every day in interactions. You know, you go to a store and somebody, you know, is nice to the person in front of you and then, you know, they give you an attitude or they won't take your money or they, you know, they look at you and they call you mister. There's so many things that we do, that we experience, that we hear, that I wanted this to feel like a cure, like that you, when you left, you leave more whole. Mm. And it's the first time I've done a piece that was really, uh, generally speaking, I'm writing for African-Americans, even if I'm not writing African-American characters. But this is the first time I really tried to situate it so that I was talking to us, but left a door open for other people to enjoy. So that's Mm. kind of how it goes. It starts with slavery and it ends with us going into space because I want you to, I want everyone to leave the play imagining what's next. Nice, nice. What's beyond, oh. the, you know, what we see? Yeah. Mhm. Oh, that's so. so it ends with a, it ends with a, it ends with an astronaut literally finding the new galaxy at the edge of the the recent telescope discovery. Oh, how cool! Yeah, that. Yeah, those those images are so inviting and so beautiful from the from the yeah. new telescope. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh wow! How interesting. Yeah. So, so the play um, is divided into um, different um, eras. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah. I was wondering if you could talk about like so. Um, um, the original had, um, you know, he had a, a wolf had eleven um, scenes. How many do you have? I have eleven, but I also have three eleven exhibits. And then I have three interstitials to remind you that we're making a museum together. Because uh, so, that's mm-hmm. one place where I, I wanted to differ from Wolf. I wanted them to be building and not just presenting the museum, to, to, their, mm-hmm. to for there to be a sense of collaboration with the audience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The way um, you know your um, your directions are, um, they're really open. You know, for for mm-hmm. um, for direction and 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 performance, um, it could mm-hmm. it could be elaborate or it could be simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it seems like the point is just do it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I didn't want people to feel like I I didn't want like mid-sized theaters to feel like oh you know we don't have the space to make a spaceship and therefore we can't do it. And I and I'm also mm-hmm. making a more subtle point, which is that. When we build nonprofits, we don't come into it with Guggenheim money or Ford money 
you know, mm-hmm. we come into it with more of even our greatest institutions, you know, the, the Smithsonian's mm-hmm. National African American Museum with a hodgepodge of government money and hustle and private donations. And so I didn't want that reality to sort of slip away. I didn't, I purposely don't want like super high production values because I don't think that given the wealth gap, that reflects our reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really like the idea of a place where you could breathe, you know, clean air, like mm-hmm. pure oxygen. Yeah, and, and, and people are wearing masks because the air is so polluted, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, outside of this space. I'm like, wow. And then so the idea of having, you know, the hood oasis as opposed to just cleaning up the air, like, like you ever thought about that? Just, just like clean up the air, like stop having all these these vehicles that are polluting it. <laughs> oh, that's not a thought, right? <laughs> yes. Well, there's a couple of points that I'd make that point because I think it's so important for us as a community. You know, I think of how often we're studied mm-hmm. uh, and people make their careers, you know, from studying something that like a five-year-old could tell you. Mm-hmm. But the studying doesn't always result in, like, tangible action and, you know, lasting progress. So I'm critiquing that throughout the play. I, I critique the Ford Foundation. Uh, no shade. I mean, I think they do wonderful work. But, you know, they're not able on their own to solve, like, the wealth gap, right? But what mm-hmm. if they took a more active role in sort of going to Congress and saying, this is something that, based on our studies, we need? What if Power Water said, instead of waiting for the fires and, and you know, uh, being found liable and, and litigating it, what if they said, you know, we're just going to invest the money and hire people to cut trees? You know, the, the mm-hmm. men and women who were firefighting from prison, you know, we're going to allow, you know, make a pathway for them to actually become firefighters and line tenders. And so we employ people and we make sure that the fires don't happen unless they're controlled. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, putting it out there for folks. <laughs> right. Yeah. I wonder if you could tell tell our audience a little bit about about your characters. Um, you, there's a real specificity to the kind of person, you know, actor mm-hmm. you want to play this role. It's like it's not blind casting at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I wanted to make sure that uh, my grandmother is Dominican, so I wanted to have oh. an Afro Latinx character uh, because mm-hmm. well, I was raised as a regular black woman, so I mean, you know a regular down south to migration to New York City and Harlem where I grew up. But, of course, I knew mm-hmm. my grandmother. And, you know, I was very interested in that journey and, you know, because our communities are so often uh, right but against each other, whether we're talking about Puerto mm-hmm. Ricans and African Americans in New York City and Pittsburgh and Boston or whether we're talking about Haitians and Cubans in uh, Florida, Mexican-Americans, mm-hmm. Central-Americans and African-Americans in South L.A., et cetera. So I wanted to get that part of the experience in. I wanted to make sure to have an older woman because I, I just could not stand to see another black mama on the couch. <laughs> I wanted an older <laughs> woman who was sexy and vibrant and um, a smart ass and all of that uh, in the mix. Uh, in turn, mm-hmm. And um, let's see, I wanted to have a queer character for sure because mm-hmm. uh, when I think about James Baldwin, when I think about Bayard mm-hmm. Rustin, so many mm-hmm. really significant behind-the-scenes movers in our community have been queer. Mm-hmm. 
And mm-hmm. I wanted to present them as part of our family as opposed to the way I see them sometimes depicted on film and TV where, they, where it's presented as if they have to leave our community to be safe. So I'm trying to deconstruct mm-hmm. the idea that African-Americans are uniquely homophobic because I don't believe that that's true. Mm, um, right. a disabled care, we were not able to cast a disabled actor, although we searched, but the spirit mm-hmm. is there to reflect that uh, I don't want our people who are disabled to disappear. You know, I see so many homeless people in the streets of Los Angeles, the county of Los Angeles, as, as we do everywhere in the country now. And so many of those people are suffering from mental and or physical disabilities. And there's a way yeah. in which we want to look away and not deal with that. And I think we just must, especially as an aging population. Um, and so I wanted to have that, that representation in the piece. And then I wanted to, in, 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 in sort of closing out the ensemble, I wanted to look at somebody who was like kind of a traditional old school black person. You know, I mean, Angie, the character of Angie, uh, is, mm-hmm. she would be a member of the Lynx. She pledged. <laughs> and I don't <laughs> think we value enough <laughs> the people mm-hmm. who, you know, it's like Maya Angelou said, you know, they're not radical, but they're the backbone. They make mm-hmm. it possible. And this is something that Malcolm X told Maya Angelou that has always stuck with me. Oh, you're you're mm-hmm. mad because they're bougie and whatever, but they made it possible for you to get the scholarship to go to school, to get the transit fare, to travel to Africa. And yeah, they're not radical. Maybe they're not like the public intellectual, but they're the platform on which we're all standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wanted yeah. to see that in a young woman so that it wasn't like a uh, an age-related thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So those are the five yeah. characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In your um, uh, your exhibit five, we exhibit um, scene five, the Hall of Tears. Mm-hmm. You actually um, you have um, Malcolm X in a voiceover. Uh, the most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. Mm. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I wanted so to make true. sure we had the voice of of men who have loved us and worked with us and walked mm-hmm. with us. And and the, the, the marriage between Malcolm X and Betty, Dr. Betty Shabazz, you know, she left mm-hmm. him a couple of times to get a little bit more equity in their relationship. And I think that oh, that's a know. very righteous model. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I mean, I think, really? yeah, they had, yeah, they had their, you see, because it's presented to us in such a, a fairy tale kind of way. Um, right. And so and I, I think by not knowing those, I mean, for me, the, the, the subtext of that for people who look into it is that, wow, you know, we can leave and come back. We can disagree mm-hmm. and fall out and repair. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, and that I'm not is true. <laughs> but the question is, the question is how you know, and that's what I hope the play answers. Or what is the what are the mm-hmm. tools that we need to make that happen? Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to say it should happen. It's one thing to hop on the cancel you know culture bandwagon. But the question is, what do we do to repair? You know, what conversations do we need to have? Who do we need to uplift? How do we need to reframe the experience? Like in the reconstruction exhibit. You know, it talks about, mm-hmm. like, the enthusiasm, the very righteous enthusiasm that, that African-Americans had. Like, they elected all these people. I mean, they go in one, you know, in a very short time period of 
you know, 90%, 95% of people being slaves to all of a sudden having people mm-hmm. serving in state houses and in Congress, but never seeing that backlash. And I, I fear that those moments are cyclical and that we're in that moment mm-hmm. again. So understanding like the, 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 the counter to that, like how do you deal with it and everybody's enthusiastic and they don't quite see the danger coming? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. How, how, um, how long is, is the play? Is there an intermission? Uh, there is an intermission. Um, it runs about 95 minutes or so, a little bit longer with the intermission, because um, it is a comedy, and you don't want the comedy to go on forever. And, um, you know, we hope that people will come, and we hope all people will come. I think that, again, I've made, like, real efforts to make sure that there's space, you mm-hmm. know, for other people to come and enjoy our experience, to laugh with us, but to not laugh at us. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so who who's your audience? Who do you write for? I, you know, I, I, I always feel weird about this, but I write for myself. This is a play that I wanted to see. Um, mm-hmm. And it's my offering always is to, to write for first for other African-Americans. Romero Bearden, the great artist, uh, mm-hmm. used to work in a studio mm-hmm. not too far from where I grew up. And he—it was actually like a storage facility where he had his studio. And he Mm -hmm. said something to me in an exhibit that I'll never ever forget, and and inspires and fires me that, you know, he wanted all African American artists to write work that could rival the complexity and depth and 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 impact of the Greeks. Mm -hmm. So that's really what I strive to do: is to use to to write about the world. I've written about Korean characters, white characters so forth and so on, but I'm always striving to have my writing have that level of impact. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, just, just living in survival is, is epic. <laughs> yeah. <For sure. laughs> it's epic. And, and when you think about our people and what we've, you know, survived and now thrive, mm-hmm. you know, within, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this, this country is, is, is so anti-us. Yet we do yep. such great things. Like we do such yep. great. Like you, look at you. You know, like you're creating and you're sitting in this, you know, this cauldron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just imagine if you weren't in the cauldron, but then maybe the pressure of the cauldron is 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 you know unnecessary right at the moment because you know things change. Who knows what it's going to be like tomorrow? Mm-hmm. We're in the now. Um, but yeah, wow. So you know, such beauty. Um, in the midst Thank of all you. of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really, wow. I'm so happy, you know, to become familiar with your work. I'm just so excited. And you're like, <laughs> you're documented and you got so much of this stuff. <laughs> like, and you're still creating. This is so awesome. And, you know, you're in California. You're not far. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully, I mean, you know, hopefully when our health is all better and when the pandemic uh hopefully recedes looking forward mm-hmm. to uh seeing you in the bay area where where i go frequently because you know oakland rules <laughs> <laughs> oh wow that's cool yeah oakland is is, is the place yeah <laughs> oh wow that's so cool so um you said you um you grew up in 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 New York any uh, like Brooklyn or what part of New York? No, I grew up I grew up in uh, I I'm literally on the border of Harlem and Washington Heights, 
you know, so which puts oh. me right at that center of African-American and the Dominican slash Puerto Rican life, so. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Oh, wow. Yeah, New York is, is sort of like a, a place that has so many, so many, many diasporas within the thing, you know, like like mm-hmm. within the within, you know, and, and, and people outside of these many diasporas might not even recognize the many diaspora that is so, mm-hmm. so everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. So did you come up, like, as a child? Like, were you, you know, writing and creative and knew uh, you wanted no, to do I just, something I, like this? I, I mean, I, I started as a cellist and a pianist. I wanted to be an orchestral conductor. Oh. Um, oh. Uh, it's really difficult to be an orchestral conductor as a woman. Um, even mm-hmm. now, like, the major orchestras, um, there's only one or two. Uh, women leading right. a major orchestra, let alone African-American women. So I started uh, to make a living doing music direction. And then from there, mm-hmm. I, I got into theater. Yeah. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Where did you study? Um, I went to Oberlin for my undergrad. I did a degree in cello and music and, and a degree in economics. And then I came mm-hmm. to New York and started, uh, I mean, I was just really fortunate, you know, to start with the actor studio and Circle Rep and Frank Silvera mm-hmm. Writers Workshop. So yeah, I feel really, really blessed to to have had, you know, the kind of upbringing where my parents took me to see all kinds of theater, experimental. Right. Uh, my dad was a was a black film chemist with uh, Technicolor, so we saw a lot of uh, foreign films, a lot of African films. I mean, he was he was mm-hmm. a lover of Simben, at least on Simben. So I feel oh, really fortunate yes. to have had that cultural background. Yeah. Least I do need to let you know, though, I do have to hop pretty soon. So okay, what yeah, can yeah. I tell you? Like, what can I tell your audiences <laughs> that <laughs> as as a parting uplifting gift? <laughs> um, wow, I was just sort of running through all of the different. Um, uh, I I I really like your um, your Aunt Jemima character, um, and uh, I was just sort of just looking at some of the um, the names of the exhibits. Um, uh, uh, I, I I don't know. Um, how would you like to? Um, what would you like? How would you like to conclude this this um, this conversation? I mean, of course, we'll ho- hopefully we'll have others. <laughs> oh, indeed, indeed. Well, first of all, I want to uplift you. You know, um, people who are out here making it happen with podcasts, uh, with YouTube channels, working on Vimeo, are doing, and especially our critics. You know, who are bringing us to our audiences, our readers, are, are doing the work of the Lord, in my opinion. Because we we really again need that creative community. I need to be able to talk to people like you to understand what it is I'm trying to say. I mean, you know, just your questions help me to clarify things just in this moment that we've had together. So I first just want to uplift you for hanging in there, doing it, and doing it big and doing it well. I listened to the previous caller and some other things, and you know, we don't we just don't celebrate our own excellence enough. And the thing I would say about my work and the work of all creators is that um, you know. Take the space, you know, watch different things, listen to different things. Um, these are challenging, challenging times, you know, in terms of our health, in terms of the climate, in terms of politics. We really, mm-hmm. really need each other. So however yeah. that looks to you, you know, as, an, as a viewer, I hope you become a viewer and a content creator. But it's cool to just listen, to read, to watch. But be open, be engaged, and you know what the Panthers used to say, be ready and stay ready. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Be ready and stay ready. I love that. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Mildred. This has been a wonderful conversation, and and I, I know that, um, you know, this uh, museum annex is going to be with you know, really, really wonderfully because it's a great work. I mean, you know, you, you know, you you have a lot of great work, you know, under your belt, and it's so wonderful that you're here in the Bay with this new work, um, you know, commissioned by uh, Central Works. And uh, yeah, October fifteenth through November thirteenth. You know, be in the house, folks. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be one of those moments that you're going to be really happy to say that you were there. Yeah. <laughs> And don't forget, Thursday is pay what you can. Don't be shamed. Everybody's on a budget oh. these days. Come through. Oh, nice. Pay what you can. I love that. So get your tickets <laughs> at centralworks.org. <laughs> you take good care. Take good care, and thank you so much. Oh, you're quite welcome. <laughs> Peace and blessings. Bye. Bye-bye. So we are going to go out with Amakela. Um uh love uh being in love is the uh is the album it's an old one <laughs> and the piece is called Hambone. and i want to let folks also know i'm going to look for this uh there's a book launch party on saturday october 15th uh 3 p.m pacific time something zoom and it's with uh sister lola hanif and it's called what mama used to say a handbook of old sayings by Lola Hanif, M.A., and is illustrated by Naima Maple Smith, M.A., um, and edited by Sydney Appleseed, M.P.A., M.P.H., M.A., that's her daughter. And uh, how do you, let's see. Oh, you can visit uh, Lola May Hanif at gmail.com for information about how to join her um, on this book launch party uh, in Zoom on Saturday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. So Lola, L-O-L-A, May, M-A-E, Hanif, H-A-N-I-F, at gmail.com. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be really, really nice. So, again, um, Hambone. Go queen the love Hambone, hambone away Been round the corner and back again mm-hmm. A hambone, hambone where your wife oh, yeah. In the kitchen cooking rice A hambone, hambone, hambone Give me hambone, hambone, hambone. Give me some hambone, hambone. Well now hambone, hambone Put them on your shoulder mm-hmm. If you get a pretty girl I'll show you how to hold her mm-hmm. Hambone, hambone where you been All around the world and back again A hambone, hambone, hambone
were at the Schomburg Center in New York, and there was a, a live and um, and a streamed conversation about about Dick Gregory, and it was really really wonderful. And and you can watch it; it's archived. And uh, yeah, so I just wanted to um, you know do um, a nice shade to our brother Dick Gregory, um, wonderful wonderful man who did a lot of lot of great work, um, you know, for the liberation of our people. All right, you take good care. Thank you so much for joining us for another edition of Wanda's Picks. Uh, visit wandaspicks.com. Follow us because there are a lot of great um, activities happening, and I add to the website often during the month. <laughs> and this is Mental Health uh, Awareness Month, and there is a conference happening online beginning tomorrow, and you can find out about that on the website, as well as some other readings that are happening, um, both on-site and digitally, and sometimes a little bit of both. So, um, yeah, so definitely visit wandaspicks.com for, you know, sort of uh, activities and news you can you can use around black liberation and, uh, and wellness and, um, and mental health. Peace and blessings.